Well, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the TR90 Body Burn 30 Support Call. This call happens Monday through Friday at this time, which for me is 6.40 Pacific Time, 7.40 Mountain Time, 8.40 Central Time, and 9.40 Eastern Time. Thrilled to have you along with us this morning. If you ever miss these calls, you can pick them up on an application called SoundCloud or wherever you get your podcasts through. And by putting in Frank, F-R-A-N-K, Lomas, L-O-M-A-S, and TR90, or Frank Lomas and Solutions, the digit for anti-aging. And as I said, I'm Susan Mann out of Portland, Oregon. If you're listening to this as a podcast and you want to catch us live, if you dial into 712-775-8972, and when it prompts for the code put in 910022, you can join us live and we would be thrilled to have you along with us. Since the TR90 program is a weight management program and actually a lifestyle change, um, this isn't something you're going to do that's a one and done type of thing. It's, it's kind of an ongoing um, lifestyle change. You're, when you're first starting out, it's that good clean lean meal a day, two shakes a day, three snacks a day, 30 grams of protein at at least three of those meals. Taking your supplements 15 to 20 minutes before a meal is optimum, but if it's not possible, take it with your meals. It'll still work. It's just not quite as effective as it would be if you could take it beforehand. And for some people, they just can't because their stomachs can't handle it, and that's fine. Um, it'll still work. I know because... My middle of the day ones, I was almost always taking with my meal because I couldn't take it 15 to 20 minutes beforehand because I didn't know when 15 to 20 minutes beforehand was going to be. So from personal experience, I can tell you that. So in that program, you should be getting um, seven plus servings of fruits and vegetables every single day. Those fruits and vegetables will give you macronutrients micronutrients, and fiber, especially if you're getting them closer to the source than um, being highly processed. And guys need 45 grams of fiber. Ladies, we need 32 grams of fiber daily for good digestive health. And it really is important, that fiber, as well as the nutrients that come along with the fruits and vegetables. Uh, 30 grams of protein at at least three of those meals. Really important because when you're first starting out with that TR90, you've got actually a total of six meals, three snacks and three meals. And you can put the protein wherever you want or need it, but making sure you get that 30 grams, of, at least 30 grams of protein in it, at least three of those meals is really important. I highly recommend getting seven to nine hours of good quality sleep a night. That actually sets your brain and your body up for making good decisions and um, doing what's best for you. The, there are several system resets your body does while you're sleeping. And if you're working on a deficit of sleep, it can be like having a couple of drinks of alcohol and it really slows reaction times. It makes you want to choose the easier things rather than the harder things. And so it makes decision-making uh, much more difficult. 
So I always start out with my sleep and then I work everything else around it. 30 minutes of moderate to heavy exercise at least five days a week and it can be um, anything you desire. It could be dancing, it could be aerobics, it could be um, Pilates, it could be yoga. It's whatever you enjoy doing and that you can keep in your lifestyle. But mixing it up, because as Mo Hagen said, you keep mixing things up and trying new things that keeps those muscles challenged and um, that's really good for you as well. Let's see. Drinking plenty of fluid. The current thinking is at least one ounce of water for every two pounds you weigh. So if you weigh 100 pounds, you should be drinking 30 ounces or 50 ounces of water daily. Um, if you drink other fluids, there are some trade-offs, especially, for instance, if you have um, tea, you may be getting some caffeine that you might not normally get as your fluid, and that could affect things. But you know, getting that, getting that fluid in is really important, especially if you're exercising heavily and you're losing a lot through perspiration or you're in a humid area. Let's see, supplements. I think we've talked about it all. Okay, we're going to jump right over into a book that I call Fat Chance, Eating the Odds Against Sugar, Processed Food, Obesity, and Disease. It was written by Robert H. Rustig, MD and MSL. And yesterday I started talking about the omnivores first about the low fat versus low carb. And we had just covered four of the things that Keyes left out of his original um, thing, but we're going to jump into and get a little more into the controversy between Yedkin and Keyes. So in the midst of the Yedkin-Keyes battle came the lipid hypothesis of heart disease. In the 1970s, the Nobel Prize winning team of Michael Brown and Joseph Goldstein in Dallas discovered how the liver recycled fatty acids. From this discovery, we learned four major, or four important precepts. First, we identified LDL, or the low density protein, which is the bad one, by the way, the main export particle of dietary fat, the liver LDL receptor, which gobbles them up to recycle them, and second, we learned that dietary fat increase blood LDL levels, and the third one, third, one where genetic disease generates massively high LDL levels, and these patients die of heart attacks very early in life. The fourth one in this is in large populations of adults, blood LDL levels correlate with the risk for coronary heart disease. The implications of this work seems quite logical on the surface. Let's call dietary fat A, LDL, B, and cardiovascular disease the letter C. The implication was that if A leads to B, and B correlates with C, then A must lead to C, and therefore no A, no C. In other words, no um, 
dietary fats and there can't be a cardiovascular disease is what, what he's trying to say there. This was the debate of the late 1970s, specifically taken up by Senator George McGovern's bipartisan non-legislative selective committee on nutrition and human needs in 1977 and chronicled by Gary Tobbs, McGovern appointed labor reporter named Nick Morturn, or Mottern, who had no scientific background to research and write the first dietary goals for the United States. Rather than doing extensive research on the subject, Mottern relied almost exclusively on the work of Mark Hegstead, a nutritionist at the Harvard School for Public Health. Hegstead was of the opinion that dietary fat was the ultimate cause of dietary woes in the United States and that the solution was to limit its intake. Thus, Moturn's report recommended that the American populace limit its fat intake to 30% of their diet and saturated fat to 10%. Moturn admitted that not all scientists agreed with his suggestions but he stated that Americans could only improve their health by following his advice. What did they lose? Although it took seven years and several twists and turns, the USDA, the AHA, and the American Society for Clinical Nutrition all endorsed the document. Motrin's brainchild dietary goals for the United States was implemented. Our dietary practices began to change at the food industry, as the food industry retooled itself to deliver low-fat products rushed to meet the new directives. What went wrong? It seems logical that A to B and B to C, so no A, no C, i.e. no dietary fat, therefore no LDL, and no heart disease. Not so fast. A can lead to B, but it can also lead to D, E, F, and G and never make it back to C. And the contrapositive of the statement is no C, no A. This is flawed logic to be sure. The implication, the implicit assumption was that all HDL was bad, or LDL was bad. As it turns out, there are two types of LDL one called large buoyant LDL, or type A LDL, and the other is called small dense LDL, or type B LDL. Large buoyant LDL floats in the bloodstream. It's too big to get underneath the cells lining your blood vessels and to start the atherosclerotic artery wall thickening process. 80% of blood LDL is large buoyant and is thought to be neutral from a cardiovascular standpoint. However, <coughs> small dense LDL doesn't float, it sinks. It's small enough to get under the blood vessel cells. It has been specifically implicated in the start of atherosclerotic plaques. True dietary fat raises LDL, but it's the large buoyant kind. A small dense variety is, excuse me, is raised by carbohydrates. There's one more fly in the ointment. Dietary fat isn't one entity. It's at least seven 
and I'll be listing those probably uh, here shortly. Some of these, such as omega-3 fatty acids, are good for you and protective against heart disease. Trans fats are disastrous because our mitochondria can't break them down completely for energy because a calorie is not a calorie. A fat and fat remnants precipitate in arterial walls a great way to get a heart attack. Omega-6 fats are pro-inflammatory and associated with heart disease. Key's personal demon was saturated fat, which is in the middle of this spectrum and does neither harm nor good. Indeed, re recent studies have exonerated saturated fat from the primary role in the atherogenic process. So dietary fats, so we have omega-3 fatty acids. Your dietary source is going to be your wild fish and your flax seeds. They're anti-inflammatory, they lower serum triglycerides, and they repair membranes. Monosaturated, unsaturated fats, olive oil, olive and canola oils, they stimulate the liver's metabolism and reduce the atherogenesis. Polyunsaturates, those are your vegetable oil, oils. They are anti-inflammatory, but in excess, excess amounts, can cause immune dysfunction. Your saturated fatty acids, grass-fed animal meat, milk, and dairy products, atherogenic in a specific genetic background, familial hypercholesterolemia, or FH, raises levels of type A LDL very high. Medium chain triglycerides, that's your palm oil, your coconut oil, your palm kernel oil. They're an energy source and some suggestion of stimulation of atherosclerosis. Omega-6 fatty acids, these are from farm-raised animals. Fish fed on corn and soy, atherosclerosis, um, insulin resistance, immune dysfunction, and pro-inflammatory. Those are going to be your danger points there. And the last one on the list is your trans fats, partially hydrogenated oils, which the sources are diet, uh, synthetic and found in processed food only, atherosclerosis, non-alcoholic fatty liver. But the proof's in the low-fat pudding, right? Does a low-fat diet prevent heart disease or not? This was put to the test in the Women's Health Initiative, which started in 1993. The study followed nearly 50,000 postmenopausal women over eight years. Fat, saturated fat, monounsaturated fat, and polyunsaturated fat was decreased in their diets to 30% of their total calories. But there was no change in the incidence of heart attack or stroke. A long-term perspective randomized control study of a lot of people and it was a bust. And on Thursday, I'll probably be getting into the, the evolution of our diet. With that, I'm going to take us off mute so we can say goodbye to each other. At the top of the hour, if you scoot over to Facebook, One Team Global Live, one of our leaders will be sharing some information on how to build a new skin business. I want to wish you a really great day. and. Um, 
enjoy those 30 minutes of moderate to heavy exercise. Have a great day. This is Susan Mann for January 24th, 2023, signing out. Well, there we have it, my friends. Now I've got to go back and review my notes because you gave us a lot, a lot of information. This is true. And, you know, we're starting to get into which dietary fats are the better ones. And there we are. <laughs> we should have Frank up tomorrow. I'll be back on Thursday. And hopefully we'll have Victoria on Friday. Because I missed her wonderful meditation last Friday. Oh, oh <laughs> right. Difficulty. <laughs> that was right. Oh, only the busy signal. <clears throat> that was, that yeah, was the meditation. Yeah, we can meditate meditate on being busy. No, oh, people, we need to meditate on that. <laughs> Have a great day. I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> All right, guys. All right. Thanks, Susan. Bye. 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 Bye.